Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. I am Jeffrey Hayes, and today on the show, we are discussing the gamete and embryo document update. Joining me to discuss this update is Dr. Jennifer Kowas, Medical Director of the Emory Reproductive Center, and Dr. Ann Steiner, Professor-in-Chief, Division of Reproductive Endocrinology and Infertility, the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Duke University. Thank you both for being able to join us today. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Dr. Steiner, first question goes your way. This is a very large overhaul. Could you maybe just point out a few of the challenges and goals that came with this update? Well, certainly we realized that there it was time for an update. We want to make sure that we could provide everyone with the readership with a the membership with clear, easy um, guidelines and a place to go to easily obtain answers to their questions regarding gamete donation. Uh, we felt that um, it needed likely some restructuring, some updating to meet more of our LBGTQ plus constituency concerns, and it needed some revision of its terminology. You know, the goals and challenges, I think, always is we acknowledge that um, these things are very important, that we do everything right for the recipients of gametes and the donors themselves, but we understand we don't want to be an undue burden to any of our patients. In, in other words, not overwhelming them or, you know, yes. making them uncomfortable with the actual amount of the information. Dr. Kowas, I want to ask you, Dr. Steiner was noting how they needed to update the terminology in the document. Could you give us some examples of that? For instance, clarifying what is FDA and what is ASRM? Sure. One of the trickiest things when doing donor eligibility and donor determination is differentiating between what are ASRM recommendations from those things which are FDA mandates and rules and black and white. And so throughout this document, we tried to simplify and differentiate those things from each other. Um, And this included incorporating some tables for each of the donation types, donor egg, donor embryo, and donor sperm, and differentiating between ASRM recommendations and FDA rules, and also uh, differentiating when the donation is anonymous or non-directed as compared to when it is directed. And you'll notice actually that we purposefully added the term non-directed to go along with the term that had previously been used anonymous as genetic testing is becoming more and more available. And um, with the advent of social media and things like 23andMe, we've noticed that the term anonymous is probably a little bit out of date. And that actually is one of the examples of the things that Dr. Steiner was mentioning, that shift sort of from thinking of things as anonymous as rather than anonymous and directed to non-directed and directed. We also made an effort with regards to terminology to use more gender neutral terms. Curious because we're talking about bringing to currency language and attitude and it seems like sometimes that the the pace of the change of language is evolving now constantly, not just in medicine, but, you know, just also just in general and in, in everyday speak. And you both or one of you speak a little bit more about what was the process of trying to find the right language to reflect the right attitude as these things are, are changing? 
Well, I think what we can get along, uh, try to address along those lines is kind of, we brought together a team of not only reproductive endocrinologists, but also lab specialists, genetic counselors, and uh, psycho psychologists to really help us restructure and provide the most updated um, guidelines, not only from the FDA requirements, um, which largely focus on infection, um, preventing infections, but also ASRM suggestions, which focus on preconception optimization, psychosocial counseling, and genetic counseling and guidance. Um, then as far as one of the other things we really wanted to focus on is um, being LGBTQ friendly. We understand um, along those lines that it was a significant burden to a number of our to our lesbian couples who were choosing a directed sperm donor to have to wait for a six-month quarantine. So a big change behind our guidelines here is that we, at least for directed donation, um, the ASRM guideline is going to suggest that the minimum time period for quarantine is 35 days because that is the amount of time that we anticipate a, um, a person could be in their window period for some of HIV hepatitis B testing. So therefore, this will be a big change from the recommendation of six months down to 35 days or approximately a month. The other thing is that we've really, we want to focus in that um, what, what we called in this article um, or this guideline Reciprocal IVF is different from egg donation. Um, reciprocal IVF meaning where one female, uh, sec female sex partner provides the egg and the other female sex partner provides the uterus to carry the pregnancy. We call this reciprocal IVF. Other people may call it other things. Um, but we want to clarify that these are sexually intimate partners and therefore the, con the term gamete donation or oocyte donation does not fall under this category and therefore the couples do not need to undergo this uh, associated screening. Um, so that really, as I mentioned, and then otherwise making sure that we um, update kind of our, be a little bit more gender neutral in our, um, in our guidelines. I'd also add that we sort of made no assumptions about who anyone was partnered with. Mm -hmm. So it's very open to a patient being single and partnered with someone of either the same or the opposite sex or gender. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Kwas, with the updates to the structure of this document, is there anything you would like listeners to know? That's a great question, Jeff. I think the main takeaway maybe is that it doesn't need to be or feel as confusing as it might initially. The structure is repetitive and consistent. Um, and so as Dr. Steiner mentioned, if you think of the FDA as the guiding body regarding risk of infectious disease that sort of incorporates questionnaire, physical exam, and lab screening, and then you think of ASRM as sort of the guidance regarding optimization of the donor and the recipient from a um, psychoeducational, um, genetic and family history perspective. Um, it actually uh, doesn't necessarily need to be overwhelming 
Um, although sometimes this whole concept of donor eligibility kind of feels like there might be loops and tricks, but in the end, it is actually consistent. I think that's why we wanted uh, really to structure it such that uh, obviously oocyte donors and sperm donors can't be handled exactly the same because they're donating different gametes, but really our expectations or the guidelines for the recipients, whether it be donor egg or donor sperm, certainly can be similar. Um, and so we felt that um, this was not only to make things hopefully more kind of equitable, but also a way to simplify the process. And of course, uh, we will link to this document in our show notes, so you can check there, or you can go to www.asrm.org to access this at any time. Dr. Kwas, I'll, I'll close by asking you, uh, is there anything else you would like to point out in this document that you think physicians should know? Yeah, Um I know we mentioned earlier about the simplicity of screening um, eggs and sperm or our attempt at making it seem simple. One thing to point out is that for both um, oocytes and sperm, the FDA donor eligibility determination is uh, time sensitive and has to be done within a certain window of the gametes acquisition. Uh, donor embryo is a little bit more unique in that sometimes an embryo is donated um, sort of retroactively or when a couple an embryo may not have been intended for donation at the time that it was created. Um, and the guidance with regards to FDA donor determination or eligibility is um, not time sensitive in the same way. So that's something sort of worth noting when reviewing the guidance. Well, Dr. Kawas and Dr. Steiner, I want to thank you both so much for stopping by today to discuss this very important document update. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. I am Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.